You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Good morning and happy new year to everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. So when Brady, go ahead, take a seat. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be here a little bit. So when Brady asked me to uh, preach this morning, you know, I figured out what time of year it was going to be. It's going to be the beginning of the new year. Thought maybe we could do a little bit of cliche, right? Kind of see what the top stories were for, uh, for 2021. But let me just give you a quick view of what the Stoddard's top stories for 2021 was. Our, our oldest daughter, Lily, she's eight years old. If any of you have ever met Lily, um, she's, uh, well, she's active. Uh, running here and there, running into people that she doesn't even know. She doesn't mind. Uh, and so if she's done that to you, I do apologize right now. Uh, but she decided that she wanted to start off 2021 with a bang, right? She decided that doing a dance on a nice little uh, bench was going to be a good idea until that bench swept out from underneath her, fell back, broke her hand. So that was like first of the year. And then later, she also thought it would be a good idea to do her best Peter Pan impersonation. She fell off a wall, broke both her wrists. Uh, so she's, she's really quite an interesting little girl. Uh, later on, uh, in other Stoddard news, right, I actually took a new job at Amazon, so that was pretty neat. Uh, and then recently, Lily decided that she needed to be still the headline of the Stoddard household, and she shot herself with a slingshot uh, and got a couple of stitches. So it's been a weird year, right? Some of it has been good, some of it has been bad, but either way, it's definitely been interesting. Um, and as we look back at 2021, uh, there was a lot of stuff that actually happened, right? Uh, some of it is good, some of it, again, is bad. A lot of it was seemingly political. And it really doesn't take a lot of time for us to look at any of the news apps or any social media app and just quickly see how divided we really are. I don't think that there's any major issue that the whole country actually agrees upon. And so that's a little bit concerning. It's a little bit frightening. Uh, to, to see that, that we don't necessarily have a lot of, of unity. And so when we look at, like, where are we going to go in 2022? And we see here in the church, right, you've heard many times that First Christian Church, we're here to follow Jesus. That's what we're, that's what we're about, uh, is following Jesus. And with that comes being a disciple. And so I thought it'd be a good idea for us to take a look at what are some of the characteristics of a disciple? Uh, and how can we help to impact and change this crazy world that we currently live in. So, with that, um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. So I encourage you, if you have your Bible, if you have it on your phone, just flip there real quick in Matthew chapter 5. Just make sure that's still there. We're going to start in verse 13. And we're only going to read a very small part of this. Uh, You are the salt of the earth. That's it. That's what our whole message is going to be based on right there. You are the salt of the earth. So when we look at the characteristics of what salt is and how we can actually apply that to being a disciple, we see that salt as disciples is distinctive. As disciples and as salt is, it preserves. Disciples and salt need to penetrate whatever it is on, right? Whether that be the culture, whether that be a piece of meat, whatever it happens to be, it needs to penetrate. Salt and disciples should be quiet. It's an interesting one. And finally, salt and disciples should be irrepressible. So, this is an easy one to, now I know that in, uh, in chapter 5, verse 13, 
that there's a lot more to that. But I really just want to focus on you are the salt of the earth. Because there's just so much within that little part. With the main thrust obviously being the distinctiveness of what salt is. It's different by nature as well as by purpose. So we as believers, we should also be distinctive, distinctively different by nature and by purpose. If we look at 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. By purpose, uh, believers are to penetrate and change the very taste of the earth. We should be a little bit salty. So the disciples' characters, uh, so let's just, let's, we'll just jump right in, right? So salt is distinctive. It is totally different from whatever food or whatever object it is actually put on. The power of salt lies in its difference, right? So when we put salt on ice, when we put salt on meat, it changes what that, what that object actually is. Believers, just as salt, should be different within this world. There should be a marked, distinctive difference between us and the rest of the world. The power of our lives and our testimony lies in being different. It lies in that distinctiveness. And we are to, as James puts it, keeps ourselves from being polluted by the world. Second Corinthians says, Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. And in 1 John, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So there's a great example of being distinctive within a hostile culture. Uh, and I'm going to give you the VeggieTales version of how this breaks down. Uh, if any of you remember Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or as we now, or as most of us know them as um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, VeggieTales calls them Rack, Shack, and Benny. So I'm going to give you the VeggieTale version of this, okay? So Rack, Shack, and Benny, right? They are in this office, a political office within Babylon. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this big idol, says, everyone, and the whole kingdom needs to worship this idol. Rack, Shack, and Benny know a little bit better, right? Because remember, they're Israelites. They're not even in their homeland. They're not even in their home. And they're just, they're just here, right? Just kind of hanging out in Babylon, doing, doing whatever God needs them to do. And so uh, some other officials within Babylonian government says, you know what, these three guys over here, they're not actually worshiping this idol. And they bring them before King Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, nope. We can't have any of this, into the furnace you go, right? So the fiery furnace. But one of the great things about this story is that when they actually look into the furnace after they put Rakshak and Benny in there, they don't see just three guys, they see four. And they say that the fourth one looks like the Son of God. And so to have that distinctiveness, to be so far set apart within one's culture that you are now standing out that is what we as Christians should be. Here we see three young guys, right? They're, they're nowhere near home, and yet they're still able to hold true to God, keeping a, keeping a keen focus and bravely stepping out to be distinctive within that culture. We see the clear impact that their faith actually has on those around them. In Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. As disciples of Christ, we need to be distinctive. 
It should be clear when we are uh, present. It should also be clear when we are not present. If any of you have forgotten to put salt in any recipe, whether it be cookies or chocolate or just anything, you notice the lack of salt within that. People should be able to notice when we as Christians are not around. We must be distinctive. We also must pres uh, preserve. Salt is a preservative, right? We all know this. This has been uh, taught throughout schools. It keeps things from going bad and decaying. It cleanses and disinfects. We as believers, just as salt, are to cleanse and preserve the world. We are to uh, disinfect the world and keep the germs, if you will, uh, of the world from causing things to go bad or in case today, even worse. Um, we are to save the world from its own corruption. So in ancient times when salt was actually used, um, it, could, it could be used in medicinal ways, right? There was an ancient, um, ancient individual named Imhotep, uh, and he recommended that salt for the treatment of infected chest wounds. He came up with this little paste that you can smear on the, on the wound and it'll help it, it'll help it to heal. Um, so it, it would uh, dry out the wound and kind of help just yeah, disinfect the wound as a whole. There were others, uh, Hippocrates, uh, sorry, I'm not even saying that correctly, um, but where the Hippocratic Oath came from, uh, he had many uses for salt. Uh, some salt-based remedies, uh, such as water, salt, and vinegar, that was an ancient version of uh, kind of doing the pump, stomach pump. Drinking, drinking a mixture of two-thirds cow's milk and one-third salt water uh, in the mornings, that would help with spleen, any spleen issues that you had. So we see that salt can be used as a preservative. It can be in medicinal ways. Now, I know that there's probably going to be some doctor that's going to yell at me saying, well, salt is bad for you now uh, with any cholesterol issues, which is true. But honestly, just stop going to McDonald's and you'll be all right. Uh, so First Peter says, uh, since you have purified your soul in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable through the living and enduring word of god uh, all fresh uh, all flesh is like grass grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower falls off but the word of the lord endures forever and this is the word uh, which was preached to you christ ultimately is the ultimate He's the, he's the true healer. He's the true physician. He brought people back to death. Remember Lazarus, uh, as well as several others. Um, and I'm pretty confident that there's nobody at UNMH or at Prez that is able, doing that right now. So, but we as disciples, we need to be looking after our own spiritual health as well as the spiritual health around, for, of those around us. So we see that salt, as well as disciples, needs to be distinctive. We need to preserve and we also need to penetrate the culture around us. Just as salt inserts a new quality and a new substance in life, uh, it changes what it's actually put on. We are likewise to penetrate the world and insert a new life into the world that we live. Here are some great examples of, of Christians that have done just that. William Carey was born in 1761 and is often called the father of modern missions movement. Because of his 41 years of service on the mission field until he passed away in 1834, he is known to have translated the entire Bible into the Bengali language, as well as transforming culture through business and education. 
John G. Patton, born in Scotland in 1824, was a Christian missionary to the cannibals in New Hebrides, which is in the southern uh, Pacific, until he died in 1907. His life was filled with trials. His first wife, as well as his child, died when they first got to the Hebrides. Um, and many times he actually had to run for his life uh, from the natives when, after he was done preaching. However, Patton's faith withstood testing and he continued to work and preach for several years while raising support for missionary work. Today, the impact of his life can be seen throughout Papua New Guinea as well as Venusiu. Jim and Elizabeth Elliott met as students at Wheaton College in Illinois. Jim was a young man whose heart was on fire for God to be known, uh, to be known uh, among the unreached. Uh, who was in, he was inspired by several missionaries such as uh, David Brainerd, William Carey, and Amy Carmichael. He convinced his four friends to join him on a missionary field to the Aku Indians uh, down in Ecuador in 1956. All five of the missionaries were martyred by that tribe. Later, Elizabeth went to go live with the tribe that killed her husband and share the gospel with them. Their lives continue to impact countless Christians as well as non-Christians throughout the globe today. These modern heroes of faith were changed by, they were penetrated by the gospel, and in return, they helped change the lives of millions. By penetrating the culture, we leave those around us as changed individuals who could be fully devoted to Christ. In 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, the person is a new creation, the old things have passed away, the new things have come. And in Ephesians chapter 4, and to put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. We also see in Colossians in chapter 3, since you are stripped off the old self, its evil practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. We as disciples, we need to penetrate the culture around us. We need to have an influence on those that live in our household, live in our communities, are in our workplace, there should be that change. Also, similar to salt, we should be quiet. Salt is visible, but its work is pretty silent. I haven't heard any salt make any noise. Um, believers are the salt of the earth, and we are to work quietly and discreetly. First Peter calls us to... Um, to, well, it just says, your abandonment must not be merely the external, or your adornment must not merely be the external, but it should be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of the Lord. And First Thessalonians calls us to uh, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we instructed you so, so that you will behave properly towards outsiders, and not be in need. So I've already mentioned Lily. We have one rule in our house when her friends come over to play that that door to her room has to remain open. And there's a very good reason why we have this. Even though Lily is rather loud and rambunctious, uh, you know, it might be nice to close that door, but I'll tell you why we have this rule. Lily is a creative little girl. Um, she likes to practice things. Uh, one time she practiced makeup on the carpet getting makeup and drawing a little face, and then 
doing that. So that was, that was lovely to comment on. Um, she also likes to give random haircuts to dolls, to people, doesn't matter. If you got hair, she's gonna cut it. Uh, so all of this happens behind those closed doors. Uh, she also does clothing modifications, right? I'm sure all of your kids have done this, um, but sometimes you're gonna have like a shirtless sleeve um, and no, like literally just a sleeve and that's what she's wearing. So it's really kind of interesting to what new adventures we're gonna walk into when we go into Lily's room. And so because of that, keep that door open because we're gonna make some better decisions when we have the door open than when we don't. And really, this is just so for us, because knowing that Lily is not the quietest of children, hopefully we can hear what she's doing and we can actually go prevent the damage from being any worse. But as she has gotten older, Lily has actually taken that opportunity uh, with the door open and in that little quiet time and out quiet space to really do some pretty creative things. She started to design clothes. She's not doing any makeup art on the carpet anymore, so that's always a good, uh, good thing. Um, but really, take that time, take that quietness, and do some, and do some good work. Um, we see that Jesus even admonished those that did their work and their, uh, and demonstrated their faiths loudly. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, and when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue on the street corners, so that they will be seen by people. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go in your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in, uh, who's in secret. And your Father who sees that, uh, what is done in secret, will reward you. So we need to do our work quietly. We need to do our work discreetly. We must not be loud and boisterous. We don't want to necessarily draw attention to ourselves when we're, uh, when we're praying for others. But just be we just need to be silent in that. As disciples, right, we saw that we need to be distinct, similar to salt, we need to preserve, we need to penetrate and change that's what's around us, and we need to be quiet, we need to do that work quietly. Finally, we should also be irrepressible. Once salt is applied, it cannot be stopped. Uh, its flavor will spread about, a sprinkle of salt has a widespread effect. Our personal and individual testimony similar to salt, should be irrepressible. It cannot be stopped and spreads far and wide. In Isaiah, it says, For the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it produce and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, so will my word be which so will my word which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in purpose for which I sent it. Just think of bread and the, ye and the, and the impact that yeast has on it. Right? I mean, bread is a, each civilization, each culture has its own special bread. Uh, China has the matu, which is a steamed bun, not with the pork filling, but that's also really good. Um, Iran has the barbary. India has naan, which is wonderful. Uh, and then, of course, the French has the baguette. And then the U.S. contribution to the bread world, Wonder Bread, right? One of our favorites. So each of these bread, it does have yeast. And once that yeast is added, it's not going to stop. Uh, it's going to change that bread. It's going to change that mixture and make it actually grow two, three, even four times its original size. 
The yeast is relentless. And the amazing thing is it's one of the simplest organisms. It has such a profound impact. Similar to yeast and the impact that it has, our words, our actions, our kindness on those around us should have a similar impact. In 1 Peter, it says, do not fear their intimidation and do not be, and do not be in dread, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account uh, for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect and keep a good conscience so that, uh, so that in time in which you, are, you were slandered, those who disparage you, disparage your good behavior in Christ will, will be put to shame. For it is better if God should, should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. Similarly, our testimony, our words, they need to be loving. They need to have encouragement. And even when it's tough love, it needs to be in the right place and with the right spirit. And ultimately, we just need to let the spirit do the rest of the work. Disciples are relentless in our everyday actions and activities as we live our lives, become a witness to the greatness of who God really is. That's ultimately it. That's our main function, right? It's just to make additional disciples. So being a disciple is never easy, and being a disciple of Christ is definitely not easy. There was never any promise that it would be, but as Christians, as disciples, we should strive to have some of those qualities that we just talked about. We need to be distinctive, different from those around us. We should pres preserve the spiritual health of those that are in our care. We should also penetrate and change the culture that's around us. And we need to do it in a quiet manner. Finally, we need to be irrepressible, relentlessly doing, saying, being, and going with Jesus as we go about our daily lives and activities, impacting and influencing those around us. Lastly, I just want to remind us that even as we are looking at these characteristics of disciples, that nobody, nobody in this room, no one in our town, in our community, has really ever lived up to the standard. All of us have flunked the test given. You might say that your F is a little bit higher than my F, um, but either way, we all got Fs. It doesn't matter, right? And one thing that I definitely don't want is for people to walk out of here thinking that if they just did a little bit more, if they do a little bit more here and there, if they were just a little bit kinder, that their F suddenly becomes a low D. It's not, right? The only one that got an A was Christ. And that is who we need to put our hope and faith and trust in as we work to become disciples. Christ in all his glory and majesty, he threw away your F and put his A in its place. That is what life-changing is. That's what discipleship is. Character-changing power of Christ. He's the true disciple-maker. Let's pray. Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for first loving us. Lord, we know that we don't necessarily have all of the qualities. We might not even have any of the qualities, but ultimately that reliance upon you the assurance that you provide, that's life-changing. We thank you. It's your name I pray.